Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sissoko finally waited. Ericsson, low, great ball into the middle. What a save by Heaton. Tonight's Davison Sanchez, Lucas Moura. And belted into the net, brilliant goal. On debut, Tunge Ondombele has scored the equaliser for Spurs. Lucas Moura clips it. Oh, great goal! Stephen Bergwijn has arrived in North London! That is absolutely incredible on debut! Oh yeah! What a finish for 3-2 from Serge Aurier! First time here to Son. Kane, good area for Spurs. And Kane's not afraid to shoot! Wow, what a goal, Harry Kane! That is exceptional! Try and place it. Wonderfully taken by Eric Lamella. Never afraid to take on a shot, and with good reason. Terra in the Burnley back line, and Son breaks forward. Oh, wow, what a run! Yemin Son from inside his own half has scored one of the best goals of his Spurs career. Here we go, here we go. Welcome to another episode. Touchline Hotspur, aka New Spurs Order. Um, I'm joined by a midfield trio that would, would put anyone to shame in, in the podcast world. Um, we'll start with my brother, Sai. How you doing, brother? I'm good, man. It's been a while. It's been a while. Uh, haven't been seen uh, since any of the Patreon episodes. <laughs> so yeah, uh, Kevin Nash reporting today, so... Yeah, man, I'm with the vibes. Nice, 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 nice. Uh, Tops, how you doing? Yeah, good, man, good, man. Happy to be back. The boys, uh, it was nice to meet a lot of the guys yesterday at the game as well. It's good to see everyone. Um, and happy to get the win in the end as well. So, yeah, I'm good, bro. Nice. And uh, Jack, I think it's been ages since me and you have been on uh, pod at the same time. Um, how you doing, brother? Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good to be on for the first time in a while. Yeah, it's just, uh, <laughs> we're in better times, I feel. So, you know, can, don't have to let out any anger, really. So it's nice Definitely. to be on on a more positive note. <laughs> Definitely better times. Um, and and let's, let's jump straight into it. Um, since the last time uh, the, the pod went live, we've had two games. Okay, so we had Liverpool at the weekend in the league, which was our first game in about 10, 14 days. Felt like an age since Spurs had done anything on on a football pitch. Um, obviously, due to the COVID situation, which is thankfully looking like it's clearing up now at Spurs. Um, we've got Liverpool in the league, and then we had a London derby, um, West Ham, their cup final, um, 
at um, the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in the Carabao Cup quarterfinal. Um, we're going to start with the Liverpool game. Top, so I'm going to go to you um, to, to kick us off. The lineup um, came out, and obviously we know some players haven't trained, some players have been ill, but we saw a few changes in there. Daddy Ali was in, Harry Winks was in. What were your thoughts when you saw that lineup? Um, I'm not going to lie, I was a bit. Um, I wasn't inspired at all. Um, given Ali first start under Conte, I think in Dombele as well in the Premier League. Um, I, I just, I just didn't really see. I admit, initially, I didn't really see how he was trying to play against the Liverpool team um, with with those players. I always kind of thought it was going to be a bit mix and match because of the COVID situation. Um, so I was a bit, I don't know, I wouldn't say dis- disappointed, but I was a bit apprehensive about how it was going to be. Even the Liverpool's team was, again, kind of put together a bit wishy-washy. Midfield didn't seem that strong. But on first hand, I thought Liverpool still had enough. Um, to do the business against us. And how okay, are we so, proven wrong? Yeah, well, you know, <clears throat> we're used to Liverpool. Um, was it like, we, we haven't beaten them in the past seven uh, games since we beat them at Wembley 4-1. Um, which that 4-1 win has gone down in history for the wrong reasons. Um, wrong reasons for us. We haven't really done much since then. Um, and good reasons for them. That was what kind of kick-started their... Um, kind of turn around. I think Jurgen Klopp got really active after that game, um, and obviously since then they've won the Champions League and a league title. Um, Sai, uh, a bit more on the team news. Uh, Tops mentioned in Dombele, um, Cessignon was also in there on the left. Um, it looked like a front two. We only had Harry Kane and Son as our out and out strikers. Um, I think we we all thought maybe Delhi might be playing in the front three. Would that work? Right. Yeah. What, what what did you think when you saw that? Yeah, going into the game, I definitely thought um, it would be quite flexible. Uh, obviously, I initially felt like Delhi would play on the left-hand side of that front three, uh, as he did against Conte, a devastating effect, way back in yesteryear uh, when we were a good side. And yeah, uh, I know you mentioned that you felt like a flat three in midfield would probably be uh, the go-to, given the fact that that's how Liverpool line up and matching a man for man could be beneficial. Uh, so yeah, we, we we did see we did say we did see quite a fair bit of dynamism uh, in the positioning. Delhi was pretty much up and down that left that left hand side, uh, making up the numbers at times, uh, but also being being quite a useful outlet as well. So um, yeah, man, it was it was a pleasant surprise to see Endombele and Winks play. Uh, I feel like. Tongi hasn't really had many opportunities to even show that he can work in this system. Um, whereas Winks has obviously had numerous cameos where I felt like he's looked pretty decent um, and that he genuinely has a role within the setup, uh, despite his obviously in- inconsistencies over the years. But but yeah, man, it was pleasant. Uh, and Young in the team, uh, I was a bit... I was a bit apprehensive on that one, but yeah, everyone put in a good shift in the end of it, so it worked out for the best. Yeah, I mean, we've got to be honest, it's, it's, you know, you look at Liverpool, you know where their strengths are, their strengths are down the flanks, Uh, obviously their front three is incredible, 
you know, you got Salah versus Sessegnon, um, or Salah versus Davies, um, Mane versus Emerson Royale, um, who uh, I think it is now his name is Hermes Royale. Um, shout out to Ohio and his Instagram post. Um, it, 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 there were so many opportunities there to to, to worry. Sanchez versus anyone. Um, there so many opportunities there. Jack, going into the game, what was your prediction? Did you think COVID would really knock it out of us? I mean, first game back after two weeks to play Liverpool, who have been flying. They, what, averaged three, four goals a game in their Champions League group, which was a so-called group of death. Um, they breezed through that. <clears throat> They're knocking everyone over for six, pretty much, um, in, in, in the league. What did you reckon? Did you think this was going to be another situation where we just have to hold the L? Yeah, I thought we were going to hold a fat L. Um, I think all the variables you spoke of on, on top of the fact that on paper that lineup isn't isn't very wasn't very strong, in my opinion. I thought we were going to get pammed. I thought it was going to be like a three-four-one job, but again, you know, when you have a world-class manager, you can get you can get a tune out of duds, and you can play with the system, and you can actually you can see the cohesion in the team, and yeah. It was an absolute shock, not just as a result, but the performance in total, in totality. You know, I know we're going to speak of the performance later, but we absolutely, we were the better team throughout the whole 90 minutes, I thought. And we've shown, you know, what we can do with, you know, with the best players we have. And we can also, you know, shoehorn in the weaker players in that side and maximise their strengths and... um conceal their weaknesses essentially mm. so it was just really good to see that we finally you know it's been, it's been a while but a manager that can actually get a system going so yeah it was just really good to see really surprising to see and yeah I think um, we need to build on that result that needs to be the, and that performance needs to sort of be the standard in those big games yeah yeah definitely um just just a little um just a note, you're probably going to hear the word system mentioned a lot of times during this podcast. Um, if you are listening to this on Christmas Day and you want a drinking game, uh, take a shot every time you hear the word system um, and you'll be done after the half month. Um, yeah, Jack's starting already. Um, so, sorry, Jack just made a good point there that, you know, he's still expected to get pammed. You know, he's still expected that. Um, but we've got a world-class coach. We've got a coach who can bring out the best in some of these Duds, you know, the same duds that struggled in, in the conference league. Um, same duds who, who even with a whole rotation, couldn't beat West Ham in the league and, you know, a whole week of training under Nuno. Um, is the Nuno tax that heavy on the beginning of our season? Um, are, are we, can we be hopeful that some of these players um, can, can can replicate what we saw on, on Sunday? What When you left, the, when we left the game, obviously a 2-2 draw, should have probably won it on the balance of play. Um, just a word to the cop end guys in case you're listening. Obviously, we know Liverpool was slightly weakened. Um, they were missing some of their better players. Um, but you leave that game on Sunday. What What are you thinking now? Is it all things pointing towards the manager? Yeah, I mean, I've 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 been saying this for a while. I think a lot gets made of the quality of our squad. Uh, by virtue of results over the last few years, performances over the last few years. But I think not enough gets made of the fact that a lot of these players were brought in to be system players, excelled as system players and haven't been playing in a system for as long as I can remember. So 
Nuno tax is a thing. Jose tax is a thing. Conte tax will become a thing for the right reasons. The fact of the matter is, is a lot of these performances have to be attributed to the manager because he's coached them. He's put them in areas of the pitch where they can be effective. And as Jack so eloquently put it, he is making making sure that a lot of their deficiencies are covered up as well as their strengths accentuated. So it wasn't necessarily a surprise to me that some players looked good. I just feel like the cohesion in the team, even with Conte as the manager, I think the the speed at which he's been able to do that is a massive, 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 uh, pleasant surprise. Um, and I hope that it continues because we've seen the building blocks on a game-by-game basis. And now mm-hmm. we're starting to see like tangible evidence that, okay, we are genuinely building towards something and it's not just a flash in the pan type of thing. Yeah, Tops, I'm, I'm going to come to you. Just Let's dig into the game a little bit more. Um, what impression the most about our performance? You know, we've all said that, you know, it was a very good performance. 2-2, should have probably won it on the balance of play um, despite weaknesses on both sides. But but what for you, Tops, do you walk away from that and go, yeah, all right, Spurs, you got my attention? Um, the things that popped out to me, there's probably, I'll probably say two things. Um, I feel like for once, we almost seem to match Liverpool's intensity in quite a few, in quite like, you know, sort of hefty periods of the game. There was that period middle of the, middle towards the end of the second, first half, excuse me, where I felt like Liverpool were on top and were heavily on top. But for the first sort of early exchanges and then large parts of the second half, I feel like everything that Liverpool gave us, we pretty much gave them back. Um, so I quite like that. Um, I liked one of the biggest thing I liked about our play was the chance creation. I know people will speak about Liverpool being a little bit a bit weakened, but you know you only have to play, you only get to play what you're against, you know. So that was kind of a positive thing, the way at, at which we created chances and created chances at will. You know, our bait we didn't score as many as we wanted to, or we didn't win the game. But it was positive to see us actually give it a go against a bigger side. Because I feel like maybe in the games in the previous sort of year and a bit, under Jose, under Nuno, in the big games, you know, really bar Man City at the beginning. And also um, maybe one game last season under Jose, we tend to kind of fall apart. United, probably. Uh, you, yeah, United, United, we tend to really kind of fall away in these bigger games and not really give ourselves that much of a chance. Whereas actually, for large parts of the game, even before the red card, I, f- I, f- I felt that we were very much in the game against Liverpool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like what you said, that intensity. I think it's impossible to um, play without intensity um, when you're Conte as your manager. Um, obviously, we went down to the game last night, which we'll touch on in a moment. Um, and just seeing him on the sidelines, like... My heart's going, <laughs> you know, just watching it on the sideline. You know, we run, run through a brick wall. Um, Jack, who was your your players of the match? Let's say I'm not going to limit you to just one. Um, size having a field day since Christmas say come it, early. Say it. say it with chest as well, please. We need kind it, we need of, it on, on record. Oh, yeah. I don't mince my words in it, so I will, I'll say <laughs> what I'll say how I feel, you know. Yeah, Winks was really good. On is that Sunday, Harry Winks? Was... Harry Winks, is that what you're Winks, is that? Sorry, Winks. You, you know what I'm talking about, man. So don't, don't do all that. 
Listen, test the season, innit? But, um, <laughs> yeah, Winks, Winks actually balled out. This is the first time I've seen him perform to that level in years. I'd say maybe the Champions League final 2019, maybe a bit before that as well. Um, absolutely. Every ball he was playing was just on a, you know, th- through the eye of a needle. You know, he he saw that high line. He used that high line to his advantage every time. And he managed to play the wing backs through on a consistent basis. And something he hasn't been doing and for a while now. And I'm just wondering, what was he do- what was he doing on the training pitch prior to that? You know, prior to Conte, you know, you wonder what a lot of these players were doing before that, because it's as if it's as if he's regained some passing, you know, the passing ability he once had a long time ago. It's as if, you know, there was, I don't know, it's like an electrical charge that he's just been receiving. Like, oh, shit, yeah, you know. But, yeah, Harry Winks, for, for all his poor finishing, Deli Ali, I'm going to give him credit, even though we should still sell him, get rid of him in Jan. You know, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully that increases his value, you know, uh, PSG. Yeah, don't don't hold cheeky, back, cheeky, cheeky, cheeky five mil, you know, extra, you know. But, yeah, um, Ali played really well. He uh, what I loved about Ali's performance was his pressing, his his um, ability to take a man on. I think there was that part, there was that bit, what seventy minutes on where it was was it was it tr- between Trent and um, Matip where he just absolutely ran through them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He took that, out that was, three players. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, that was the old Ali, and yeah, the finishing was poor, and I think the pass to Kane was a bit poor. I still think Kane should have finished that, to I be think, fair. I think the, but... the, the, the finish is is a little bit of a dubious one, because that was a fantastic save by Alisson. It was a good save, but I, I'm all, I am always of the firm belief that if you're 1-1 with the keeper, you should never miss. You should never let the keeper save it. I'm, I'm always under that impression that you you are the favourite to score. You should score. The keeper is secondary. The keeper has to do his best in that position, in my opinion. But Either way, I'm, I'm giving him his credit, side, so you don't have to, you know. You he turned, to... he turned into dousing, man. <laughs> Alisson turned into dousing for that save, man. I was like, that was a really good every, save. Everyone too. thought it was in. Everyone thought it was in. The, the, the only criticism is maybe you can go to the near post and leave the keeper flat-footed. But, yeah, obviously, he took it He took it quite early as well. So, uh, no complaints from me. But that pass to, that pass to Kane was dookie, man. Dookie yeah, definitely. Juice. But, yeah, yeah. Um... I'd say, yeah, Ali as well. And Eric Dial, three three players that <laughs> see I, I could I could have I could have let you you know move the conversation on, but you know, Eric Dial was balling again. He was spraying like prime Toby. And I don't know what is I don't know what this man this con I don't know what Conte replaced the ketchup with, what kind of potion he <laughs> put in these chips. But he's absolutely got to tune out of these guys and the fullbacks the wingbacks are always available they're always in space and we always compact that central area the spine of the team to allow that it's brilliant and it allows these players to you know to, to play balls that you know you didn't you didn't think and consistently as well so yeah can't can't complain about three duds that I want sold yeah yeah so very interesting that you picked the players that you know we all know diabolical. Um, Winks has been been told to pack his bags a number of times. Um, Ali, you know we we talk about everything from his family life to his hair. Um, we never really talk about his football, um, but they stepped up. 
Um, I'd want to also give a special shout out to Cessna. I think he did a good job. Uh, maybe could have got forward a bit more. There's, there's a bit of space behind Tread, but you know, whatever. Um, two two, you take the point in a big game. Um, and I think this is what we're gonna. Can we speak on Eric Dyer a little bit? Because you called him diabolical just then, and I don't think it's quite fair anymore. You know what? You know what? I will. Going to mention that because we saw an element of diabolical yesterday. Diabolical was there yesterday. Right? He was he saw a little bit of it yesterday. But we all know what Conte has said. Conte has said he came out in a week and he said Eric Dyer can become one of the best defenders in the world. Now, whether you're drinking coffee in Scunthorpe or um, <laughs> you know drinking tea in in, in Thompson Palace, every single person probably spat out their drink when they heard. Um, those comments. Um, Sai, you want to speak on Dyer. I want you to speak on him in the context of that comment and his recent play. What do you reckon? So, if we go as far back as Project Restart, as we affectionately like to call it, Eric Dyer has shown that f- amongst the centre-backs that we have, he is the most assured and he is the most consistent. That could be deemed as an indictment on the squad depth and the quality in our centre-backs. But I like to look into that a little bit deeper. If we if we map this kid's career, obviously he started as a centre-back. When he came to Spurs, he played on the right-hand side of the defence, then got moved to defensive mid, also deputised as like a right-sided centre-back uh, during our 3-4-2-1 days. So this guy has been used in a plethora of different positions and has only really, at this level, been playing centre-back for, like, what, the better part of 18 months, right? So I think there is a little bit of leeway that needs to be done and a little bit of context to some of the deficiencies in his game. When you factor in the fact that he's 27, he should be reaching around his peak now for a centre-back. That's usually what we expect. And what I've seen from him is... Again, given the system, given the players that are around him, he has someone in Ben Davis next to him who is a pretty tidy player in this system. He's got Larice reaching form again, actually communicating with his centre-backs, playing well within the, within the posts. I'm actually seeing a really proficient centre-back here. Like, not only that, but in, in terms of creativity and ability to break lines... He's our most effective in the whole entire team. So it's like, at some point, we got to move the narrative and not just not just make it seem as if this is a shit player that's in a purple patch because he's been doing it in consistent bunches despite the fact that we've been in total disarray for for a whole season now. So I think I think it's time to start to put a bit more respect on his name, even, even if there are going to be the odd mistake here and there. Fair, fair. Okay, so I, I I put in the group chat, Jack, I'm going to come to you in a minute. I, I put in the group chat that if he's number four in the quartet of centre-backs at the club in terms of talent and, and probably even usage, I'm okay with that. Yeah, if he is going to stick around, we need Romero. Obviously, we know Romero, he's, he's, he's a top defender, emerging defender. You get two others certified, right, especially on the left-hand side. Um, and then you've got Dyer there, um, obviously, Tanganga's going to be knocking around. Kind of, maybe he'll go out and low in or whatever the case may be. Rodon can can just go. Um, Sanchez can go. Um, Jack, what do you 
do you think he's playing himself into um, an extended state? I, mean, I don't want to say like he was on the on the chopping block. I know he's on a new contract well, last season. Yeah, yeah I know, I'm saying from from a, from a podcast standpoint, he's been on the chopping block. From a club standpoint, he's not. Okay, there's not really been many rumours that he was on his way out or anything like that. Um, so let's be honest. Let's 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 be real about this, Jack. If he's around for the next two three years, even as we rebuild this team. Are you confident that we can see more of the good Eric Dyer than the diabolical that we've seen on occasion and limited over the past six, seven games? I pray not. All I'm saying is, right, this guy is the Dajjal. He is the master of deception, right? Last season, you know, we saw we saw these consistent performances, you know, the first half of last season's when, you know, when under Jose, when we were a proficient team, when we were, we had somewhat of a system with lopsided fullbacks and whatnot. We saw this dial anyway before. Problem is, he does have a mistake in him. We saw that as recent as yesterday. And I don't trust him. I think he will falter again soon enough. I'll give it January. I'll give it the end of January. You'll see the true dial come to life again. I guarantee he does this all the time. And the project restart is a myth. The Man United and Sheffield United games, he was terrible. He he was responsible for the goals. But um, either way, Eric Dyer is he is the antichrist. He will deceive you. Wow. Fully. He, he will, look, look, look. You'll 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 buy into it right now. You'll believe it right now. But watch when the true dyer comes on out. Christmas Eve, Eve, Eve. Yeah. Exactly. This guy. Oh, listen. Yeah. Don't let him fool you. Do not let him fool you. Christmas time, <laughs> this guy, honestly, I'm not. I'm, I, I cannot trust this man. I cannot trust this man. I can't trust Eric. Wow. I can't oh, do it. Wow. He's playing well. I'm giving him his dues. I have given him his dues, but you will see the true Eric Dyer come to life soon enough. Well, for for our own sake, we hope not, because hopefully we'll be in a Carabao Cup final after January. Um. Right, Tox, we're going to move on to the West Ham game. Um, having, having changed the system slightly for Liverpool, 3-5-2, um, matching them up in the midfield, he, he moves back to more of his traditional 3-4-3 setup. Um, back into the team comes uh, Skip. Um, Hoiberg comes back in. Um, we have number two <laughs> at right wing back. Um, Reguillon comes back after injury, illness. Um, the back three remained unchanged. Um, and then, interestingly, no son. But Kane was up top with Mora and Steven Bergwijn. So we were all at the game. Uh, well, a lot of us were at the game um, representing. Sides uh, <laughs> already started. Good Lord. Oh, my gosh. This is going to be tough for us to get. Mm. Guys, but we're going to do it. Um so, you know, we're, we're there at the game and, you know, the, the lineup comes out. What were you thinking, Tots? Were, were you singing along with the, with the fans saying we're going to Wembley, we're going to Wembley? Or did it have a question mark on, on the end of that statement? Um, I thought the team was as I thought it would kind of be. Um, lots of first-teamers kind of mixed with guys who maybe had a, other things to prove or uh, Conte was still giving them a chance. Um, it seems that he seems to want to give um, Bergwijn a chance. So I wasn't that surprised to see him start. 
Um, and I kind of felt that maybe because of, the, you know, the number of games, the fixture congestion, that maybe he would have kind of rested a few a few guys um, for the Sunday game against Palace. So even thinking about, like, you know, the fact that we're in a quarterfinal, the fact that we were home after a positive game against Liverpool, um, the fact as well that West Ham, you know, fielded a side that wasn't really full of first-teamers, but had some sort of young guys in there and guys who haven't played as much. So, you know, we were chatting from before the game and we kind of, you know, we were of the mindset that this should be enough to be able to beat West Ham. Um, and obviously as well, you know, if we had the option and anything was needed in the game, we could bring on some of those players to change it, like Sun and a few others that were on there as well. So, Yeah, so it, it, was, a, it was an interesting lineup as, as I've just kind of gone through. Um, again, this, you know, wing-backs, we know the wing-back situation is, is crucial um, to the way that Conte likes to play. Um, Sai, I want you to touch on, before, before we move past this, I want you to touch on number two. Um, I was sitting next to you. you, you said to me after the first minute, you said, this is going to be difficult for you, because um, everyone knows my feelings. Um, I'm yet to say his name on the podcast um, just because of how terrible he's played, he's he hasn't earned that honor yet. But what 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 did you sense from there? I, I'm going to take away my um, my bias, as it were. What what do you think? Is it do we have no hope at, at Ryan Wingback? Do we have to get rid of both of them? Um, I'd, I'd I've got to be as measured as possible because I I can't be a hypocrite. Um, the fact of the matter is, is I do I, I do expect players to improve under Conte. I, I I just do. That's like part of the part of the buy-in to having a manager that is a tier one coach, as Tops likes to say. You you have to exercise a bit of patience. So seeing Doherty in the team is obviously not ideal, but I think the thing that worried me most about him playing is the fact that he was on the same side as Sanchez, and I did also expect. Hoybier to be on that side too, but we managed to shift skip to the right-hand side of the midfield, yeah. which obviously al allowed us to be a little bit more stable. So I think, funnily enough, I think Doherty actually had a pretty decent game. Um, he was arriving late on the run, putting in first-time crosses, which is something that Hermes Royal is incapable of. Like the guy, the guy's delivery is absolutely shocking. Like, I don't, I don't understand how that kid is so bad. Like, I genuinely don't like. <laughs> and this, this, this is a slight tangent, but the issue I have with Emerson is the fact that he'll collect the ball in areas where he has the advantage on the closest man to him, in terms of the defensive, the defensive plays close to him, and he'll opt out of the one-on-one. -on -one. He'll opt out of the take-on. He'll opt out of progressing the ball past the halfway line, run to the touchline, and then pass it back to Sanchez in a position where Sanchez is not comfortable to receive it. And it happens so often that it's become a feature of our team. It's genuinely become a feature of our team and our play. Our build-up on the right side has been a net negative pretty much for the whole season. So the fact that Doherty managed to sort of balance out the team is both 
positive for the game and the outcome, but also negative moving forward because it increases the likelihood that we may persevere with this guy. And yeah, he's he's one of the one of the few players I would say categorically is not of the standard to be in this squad. Um, his Wolves performances, yeah, GNA, it's all good and gravy, but I didn't see a player there that could make the step up. He's a net negative on defence. He's not. He's not strong or robust enough in 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 his physicality to carry on over the course of a season to be a, a real benefit in attacking positions. But again, if Conte can make the most of him, I, I got to hold my tongue on it. I got to be honest. Yeah, it's one of those situations where, whilst he's in there, you just hope that the system uh, brings brings out the best in him. Um, or at least covers his deficiencies enough to get us through games like last night. Um, <clears throat> you know, your games, your Burnley aways, your your Brightons, um, Southampton, we got the next week, those kind of games where, you know, it's a quick turnaround. You just need to use your squad. Um, so like I mentioned earlier, a front three, probably not the one we maybe have expected, maybe one of those players, Mora or Bergwijn to start, um, but both of them started um, with, with Harry Kane. Um, I'm going to open up to anyone and everyone. Um, I'll give it to Jack. Jack, Jack is bubbling. <laughs> hey, Jack, my, Jack, my, my internet's uh, dying. Uh, uh, <laughs> Say that uh, man's name. So, <laughs> number 23, right? Okay, so, okay, all right, I'll, I'll set you up. I'll set you up. Number 23, the first five minutes were. Say that man's name. <laughs> Stephen uh, Bergwine. Stephen Bergwine, okay. Stevie Wonder, as I call him on, I think, on the first pod I ever came on, I called him Stevie Wonder. Um, he he had a he had an atrocious start. You know he was um, he was getting trashed from the south stand. Yeah, they were they were sending a lot of abuses way. Um, I'm sure not all of it was about his footballing ability, but we'll leave that there. Um, he lost the ball a few times, tried a few passes, didn't kind of come off, and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden. We see a remontada in front of our eyes. Hey, don't, don't, don't say the word remontada yet. <laughs> <laughs> don't do this. Let's not do this, Dave. Is it too um, early, Jack? Is it? Am I? Am I? Am I? Because when I first came on the pod, I was a very big fan of him. I kind of got beaten to a pulp over time by his poor performances. I'll be honest; it's his fault that I, I sold all my stocks. I stopped flashing his 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 little W um, all over the place. But now I'm throwing up the gang signs. What's, am, I, am I getting too excited, Jack? You are. I'm, you are. You too quick. You need some. Uh, you need some cocodamol or something to <laughs> just slow you down a little bit. Listen, those first few touches, loose. You know, they was giving the ball away right, left, and centre early on in the game. But I don't know what switch that was flicked after that because he played like he played. He played like a centre forward. He played like a striker. He. Hey, 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 hey! That's not no pet names yet. No pet names yet. Um, but he played like a nine. I think he was making the right runs. He was getting in positions where the lines could be broken. He was always finding himself available in that space where, obviously, since Conte's become manager, we're, we're always looking to play that ball. And obviously, it's clearly been coached for him to get in those positions to receive that ball so that he can turn. So he's in, he's not close close enough to the midfielders to for it to be tight for him to have a loose touch, but he's not close enough to the defenders where he can't 
turn around and have a look and look for a pass um, available. So that that's again, I'm putting that to Conte. That's excellent coaching from from him for that for that alone. And for the for the goal, good finish. You know, it was a it was a good play all round from us. And but I'm more, I'm much more impressed by um, by Mora's goal for what he did there. The hold up play, the uh, just just yeah. It, it, it was brilliant and um, it was like it was center it was typical it was like a it was a big man up front kind of kind of thing that he did there I feel he held that ball really well used his body excellently shielded it played it through yeah it was yeah, brilliant it was good it was really good and and he was feeling himself as well the confidence clearly was there something that again you know as much as I you know shit on him on his actual ability you know he I know that he's not as bad a player as he's shown in the past what, year and a half, almost two years now. So there is some attributes there he does possess. I just hope Conte can max again what he's doing with the other duds, maximise those <laughs> attributes <laughs> and mask, his, mask their deficiencies. Yeah. Um, Tops, I'm going to come to you and then Sai, I'm going to bring you to wrap it up on, on some of these players. Um Bergwine, what what are you saying? Are are you? I know you're a stocks man. Um, are you buying stocks? Are you? Is it up? Are, are we? No, back up. I quite I quite like the signing to start with, and um, I always felt like there was a bit there was there was a player there. I've kind of always said, you know, he's kind of someone who plays in that sort of ten area where he can kind of be on the half turn all the time, very good dribbler, looks like he can score goals from, you know, before we signed him. But, I mean, you know, again, he had a really rough sort of period where he just had no confidence. And, you know, for a long time, I'm not going to lie, I was calling him um, Mr. No Dribble John because he, cause all he was giving us was drip, but no goal, no goals or assists, you know. So even in my tweet today, I had to really just call him out and say, you know, now that you got some goals and assists, how about how about some consistency? How about you give us a little sighting? Keyword, keyword. Because um, right now, I mean, Conte seems to like him, seems to have given him an opportunity, and you know, in quite a big game, West Ham quarterfinal at home, he predominantly won, he won us the game, so. Are my stocks up? Are my stocks in? Um, I think I'm going to stay where I am right now. I'm, I'm, I'm going to monitor the situation and see what's happening. Because <laughs> right now, I know the way things are going. The way things go at Spurs, especially with, with these attackers, uh, you can never be too sure. Never be too sure. Oh, I like the level headedness there. That's that's <laughs> ice cold. Ice cold. Man, it's just it's just funny though, isn't it? Like I just feel like over the last eighteen months, why have I seen more pictures of this man in drip? Than any than more goals or assists on the pitch. I, I just because he's not played football, my guy. He's not played football. <laughs> what are we expecting? Uh... Hey, listen, listen. Yeah, I've 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 heard all your rationale, and I I, I get it. When you sign a <laughs> when you sign a player with cool tattoos and a shape up and Louis Vuitton bags and all of that shit, you expect some flair, right? And in all honesty. He's shown he's shown that he does have it in his locker. What he has also shown, though, is a willingness to be coached. Whether we like it or not, 
under Mourinho, he was shoehorned into a variety of different roles. He never looked like he bitched. He never looked like he moaned. He just got on with the job, right? Do we not ask players to be professional all the time? Is there not a stigma behind players that do have to drip for being prima donnas and all of that stuff? So this kid, for me, gets a little bit of a longer leash by virtue of the fact that he didn't moan, he didn't complain. He played the peripheral right wing back role, even though he had four at the back. Like the guy's been put in some situations where he's not really been given a platform to succeed. Where a lot of the haters actually come from is the fact that he's had ample opportunities to finish chances that we just want him to finish. Not because he's a shit player, not because he's a world-class player, but because he's a player that we can all see some talent in. So it's like, yo, we want you to finish that. How that turns into like booing a guy for misplacing five, like five passes in a game or whatever, I'll never know, right? The fact of the matter is, is as he progressed further up the pitch during the game against West Ham, you saw all the strengths that this kid has. He's physically strong. He's got fast feet when he needs to. He can interplay when players are close to him. And he is incisive in the final third. His decision-making is actually really good for what we have in our squad. So the missing component is what you have addressed is the consistency. But the only way to build consistency is to get starts in games where you're around players who are on the same wavelength as you, where you're in the system that the first team play, and when you can actually get coached by a manager that's competent. So I'm hoping that this is somewhat of a of a sign of what's to come for this kid because he's shown that he does have ability. He just needs to knuckle down, get the game time and force Conte to keep him in the team. Interesting, interesting take, interesting take. I want to just kind of build on that. So we've spoken about Bergwijn. Obviously, we mentioned a few players from the Liverpool game. Um, is, is there something happening with our squad? Is, is there... Um, is there reason to be positive about some of these players if they survive a January uh, transfer window? We're not going to get rid of all seven or eight that we had on our list maybe two months ago. Um, some of them probably not on that list anymore. Some of them will have to be mainstays. You know, think about Ben Davies. You know, without us getting the left side of centre back, he will stay at the club because we know we need to have that left footer on that side. Um, and you can see why it works. You know, and I think he'd actually he'd play very well under Conte. Um, is it a case of this natural skill? Is it substance? Is it a mentality thing? Have they really got the grit and they, the, they've got their fight back? Or is it the system that's bringing out their, their good play? I want to open this up to anyone. You know, so I'm thinking about the likes of Delhi, I'm thinking the likes of Winks, um, obviously Bergwijn, um, even Davies, let's say. Um, all these players that we, we've castigated for so long, now they're unbeaten in the league in five, six games or whatever. What's going on? It's, it's a combination of everything. I think there was fundamentals that were completely off before Conte joined for on, on many levels. Um, I think we'll start off with the fitness levels. Um, we were the lowest before Conte joined, now we're the highest <laughs> but, uh, since Conte joined. that That's no, you know, that's not... That's clearly a big factor as to why. Yeah, you're talking about distance run, isn't it, in the game? Distance run, yeah. yeah, where, yeah. Um, we, since Conte joined, we've actually, we're yeah. first. Yeah, um, 115 something. 115 okay. kilometres, as opposed to the 100 we did previously. So yeah, yeah, that's fine. a massive, that, that's a big difference already. So that's played its role. I think Conte puts fire in everyone's belly. I think, it, you know, I'm not a passion merchant by any means, but 
I think that does definitely um, play a role in players' confidence, definitely, without a doubt. I think, um, and obviously, so you've got those two tactics, 100% tactics, 100% patterns of play, training. Um, every time we received the ball, before before Conte, it was just passive. It was pass back, hold the ball for an extra second or two. The move, you know, the potential pass isn't available anymore. We, we go back here. Instinct. It's not. It's not. It's so. The tra- it's in so intensely trained in them now. It's become habitual to just look up and play that ball quickly. That pass that Mora played yesterday to to Kane. Beautiful. I've never. I've never seen Mora. I did not know Mora had that in his locker, ever. When I think when, he actually he ball... in 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 our first European game under Conte. I can't remember who we played. He played a ball like that for um for Kane's got not. I think Kane scored or Son scored one of them, and he played the yeah, ball. Yeah, and, yeah. and I was like, "Whoa, more cool. uh, yeah. creative outlet! What? What's going on?" And he's playing in that sort of number tenish role as well. And obviously, we don't want him to permanently do that, but we're making do with what we have. And all our players are just looking up and just playing that ball. I'm seeing Skip just get his head up, break that line. I'm seeing Winks do that. I'm seeing um, even Hoybia do that. You know, Every player is just looking to play that ball quickly. Yeah, he, he does it more than he did. But I think, he, yeah, I think, I think generally as a as a squad, even the fullbacks as well, they just they're just moving that ball that extra second second and a half quicker, and that allows us to get players into good spaces and it opens up attacks. The only thing I do worry about is when we do play against low blocks, how how we'll manage that. And um, I mean, we have done under Conte, but we haven't played particularly well in as well in those games as opposed to the West or as opposed to the Liverpool game in particular, where we. I think, broke I so think well. against low blocks, we may see we may see more of what we saw for uh, Berwin's goal. Is more hold up play. Yeah, yeah, more hold up play, more more passes passes into the box that get spread back out wide to set up the cutback um, because we do we we do a good job of creating overloads when we do have the ball. The problem is, is a lot of the time we concede possession to the other team. And I think that's by design based on the the sort of low technical ceiling that we have in the squad. And I think if you, if Chicken Royale was replaced by even a Serge Aurier, if we had someone like a Serge Aurier in this system, I think, now, again, the creative the creative outlook would be there on both sides. One hundred percent. You know, as erratic as you know, already was in this wing back position. None of the fullbacks are getting done defensively because we have a system that, again, maxim hides their defensive attributes. And yeah, I mean, yeah. Again, I don't want it to be a. Uh, a session on uh, Chicken Royale again because he is some unseasoned <laughs> shit. But either way, man, it's if we had if we had competent fullbacks, we'd be so we'd be a lot less reliant on someone in that middle that can pick holes in in defenses, particularly in the low block. So I think we could make do with we. Yeah, we need we definitely need someone on that right hand side for sure because that's something that. It's just weak. It's just so weak right now. Yeah, yeah. So, so tops like you know, you've seen pretty much most of the squad now over the past two, three games. Um, mostly because we've had to because of um, COVID and, and such. Like, pretty much everyone's got a run out. Everyone's got a game. Um, we've seen where the strengths are. 
who you immediately on January the first want to replace? Um, who I want to replace? Is it is it Chicken Royale, Hermes Royale with his bad delivery? I mean, I'm, uh, I mean, if we could get an upgrade on him, I'm I'm definitely taking uh, him him or Doherty, but. Uh, uh, I'm just thinking of the bigger picture because of what we have um, with regards to our fixture build-up and congestion. Um, I'd probably prefer to see Doherty be sold just because of what it means. Um, if we were able to get someone in immediately, I would probably have a replacement um, for, for Sanchez just because I think he's probably one of the most marketable at this point. He's got you know decent time in his... On his contract, we could probably get a decent amount of money for him. Um, he wouldn't be cup tied as well for specific tournaments, um, and we'd maybe be able to recoup most of our money back for him. Um, yeah, because we but, paid but, plus, but, yeah, forty mil, forty mil. Yeah, yeah. but then I, I look at the rest of them. I look at the rest of the squad. I mean, what, what about Tangi? Um, what do we no, do with I think him? personally, he stays to the end of the season. Yeah, I think it's been frustrating with him. Um, we definitely need some more consistency from him, but you know, uh, quite well against Liverpool, though. You know, all the, it, it? you know, all, you know, even a game with Liverpool, someone would say, Oh, he, he only had the assist and he didn't do much else, but actually, um, the way that he was played in that midfield is kind of. It's kind of how I would like him to be played um, in a system whereby we kind of focus primarily on ball retention. Uh, and, you know, those kind of balls where, like for the assist, you want him to be that person to make that pass to Kane. Yeah. You kind of want to win the ball where Skip did or um, where Winks did. And you want to find Tongi in sort of in between the lines. Because even that pass as well. I mean, people talk about it as if it's a, sim- a simple pass to make. Even the way he like he his body shape was, it completely confused Robertson because I think Robertson he almost thought the pass was going to be played out to Emerson, mm-hmm. and then the timing and the weight of it to play it just in between the two defenders, right under Kane, uh, in order for him to shoot. You know, there's not many players, if if anyone, in Tottenham that makes that pass. So again, that's just although it's an idle moment of quality. It's an important moment of quality, you know. It gets us the goal, it sets us going. Whether we whether we can get rid of him, I I still believe that they're going to push on and, and plow on to try and keep him, purely because of what we're paying him, purely because of what his what his uh, his status as being our most our record our record signing, and us not wanting to really take a, a loss on it. And again, this is a player who there is a player there. Um, I, I don't really want to bang on about how much we should be playing him or how much you know he deserves to be in the team. But I mean, if there's anyone that's going to get anything out of him, based off you know the system, the coaching, it's Conte. You know, it's Conte, and Conte will know how and best and how well and how best to play him when he needs. Yeah. Um, it's, it's an, uh, just on on Tongi. It's interesting for me watching him against Liverpool. I can see why he won't play under Conte. I can see why he will play under Conte. It was it was the weirdest performance in that sense. Like he got what seventy minutes or whatever. <clears throat> I can see both sides. 
I can see where his defensive position is off. I can see where he doesn't cover the ground quick enough. <clears throat> and that's going to hurt him um, moving forward. I don't think that's necessarily going to just come overnight or in two, three weeks or whatever. Um, but then, like you said, only he can play that pass um, out of the, the midfield three that was on there. And that, that kind of subtlety to the pass. And there was actually a few times last night um, at the West Ham game where I think Gregory put a pass through that was a bit undercooked. Bergwijn put an undercooked pass. And you think if Ndombele is on the ball in those kind of central in between the Lions areas, he makes it, he makes it happen. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with him uh, moving forward past January. Um, Side just to wrap up on this, this topic here with the squad, yep. um, you, you preach about, you know, both publicly and privately about the system um, and that every player obviously should be given a chance. They're all going to improve. Um, out of our midfielders, who do you reckon is going to make, the, who stands to, to, to make the most of an improvement um, should they stay at the club for at least the duration of this season? So the the, the pecking order has been solidified pretty much. Um, the fact of the matter is, is Winks is the first option outside of Hoiby and Skip. Uh, we don't really have the luxury of, of considering to sell any of our midfielders, in, in my honest opinion, other than Giovanni Lo Celso. He's the only one not getting game time at the minute. Uh, mm. Unused sub in the Forgot last two games. 100%. Because he's forgettable. He's... <laughs> Ultimately, I don't think we're ever going to recoup the money for him because we spent exorbitantly on him um, with very little basis, in my honest opinion. Um, he's not technically gifted enough as we've seen over the course of the season, when he does get into the final third, he has nosebleeds like no other player I've seen. Obviously, it's it's, it's weird. It's weird. It's like Lamella used to fall over any time he struck the ball. But Lacelso just has like this uncanny ability to slap the keeper in the face. It's really, really weird. It's like he literally has no place in this squad now. He's not... He's not technical enough to be able to play the role that Winks plays. He's not mobile or disciplined enough to play how Skip plays or or even Hoybier, even though I think Hoybier has been pony recently. Um, and then he's not got any vision like Tongi. And ultimately, he's not really good off the ball like Delhi is when Delhi's playing well. He's one-legged so think- as well. Precisely. He's literally, he's, he's, he's probably, he, without a shadow of a doubt, he's the worst midfielder at the club. Um, I, I don't, I don't, I don't see any benefit in keeping him. Um, if we are going to upgrade, it needs to be at the expense of him. I can't mm-hmm. really see too many outgoings in general in January, uh, because I think this, this, this whole COVID situation is ravaging teams. And I think it's going to be a bit too much of a risk to try and do a one-in, one-out thing when at any given time you could be down three or four players. So um, I think a lot of people will stay put. I think the point about Sanchez is is probably the most apt. I think he he is in a position that is easily upgradable. We have Romero there as the first choice. So you almost can bring in a utility defender 
which isn't what I'm saying we should bring in, but you could upgrade that position in terms of somebody that can rotate into multiple positions in that back, back three, whether it's a left-footed centre-back that plays on left ahead of Davis or somebody who can play and deputise in the middle because Rodon is the only other option in that situation. Um, Tanganga's a, 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 an enigma at the minute. We saw him yesterday get played as a left wing back, which to me lets me know that he's far, far down the pecking order in terms of the centre-back positions. And yeah. I don't think he, unfortunately, has a, has a future at the club in terms of playing on the wing, wing-back position or centre-back position uh, because there hasn't been enough of a catalogue that he has a place nailed down in the system. Within the hierarchy, so I think I think just some, the just some, I think it's going to go. Yeah, just on Jacket, I think one thing that kind of gives me a little bit of hope. He has been unfortunate with injuries. Every time he gets a bit of a head of steam, three, four games, and he's doing all right. He does seem to pick up an injury, um, and with all the managerial chaos over the past um, two years, that's probably been what's also held him back as well. Um, it begins to see. I think he'll probably get a loan before he gets sold. Um, but we'll see how it pans out. We'll see how it pans out. Um, just with a quick one, just want to quick run the cast. Um, obviously, we also heard this week that we are have been, uh, I want to say, dumped out or kicked out. We've yeah, we, we got dumped out. We've been shown the door of uh, the, um, the Conference League, um, the league that no one ever wants to be promoted into. Um, but yeah, it's 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 one of those situations. Obviously, we know COVID meant that we couldn't play the game. There's all sorts of rumors coming out. We tried to get played in France. We wanted it to be played on Monday. Just gone, you know, just after the Liverpool game. All sorts of crazy rumors. Um, and also now, apparently, the club has started legal action, not to get us reinstated. Apparently, it's just to recoup some of the money that we would have lost um, from that final game. Um, as we know, we have owners who love to get that extra dollar. So. Just a quick one, guys. Pretty much yes or no. Does anyone care? No. Big no. I think the club should try and save some money fighting this and invest it more in, I don't know, in charity or something. I don't know. Just <laughs> something a bit more useful and valuable in life, I'd say. <laughs> that pretty much sums it up there. Um, one thing I love uh, seeing on social media, um, and guys, you know, anyone listening to this, if you're not following us on social media, make sure you do that on Instagram, Twitter, um, all over the place. We're, we're constantly putting out content, obviously here on YouTube as well. Um, we also have a Patreon. Make sure you're signed up to that. Um, one thing I'd love to see from rival clubs, okay, the rival pl- clubs are now talking about Conte with one game a week. And there's a little bit of fear creeping into some of their bones. Okay, now I'm not going to point out which clubs on the touchline um, group that I've seen some of their members uh, making these comments. But it's been interesting to see how well-respected Conte is um, and his reputation amongst, you know, the, the you know elite clubs and Arsenal. Um, and just to see how they, they see him in terms of, wow, if you give him a squad and they're playing one game a week for the majority of a season, what can happen? We already know we've got those three games in hand, um, which if we were to win all those three and match our competitors for, for you know, points-wide, we'd be in the top four um, at the end of the season. 
so it's it's a very positive position to be in. And I think as we all say, we're we're done with this ECL business now. Um I'm just gonna put that down to Nuno tax anyway. Um so we've got Palace coming up on Boxing Day, the traditional Boxing Day fixtures coming up. Um Palace at home. Um another London derby. Last time we played them, we got absolutely mullered. Right. <laughs> This is the game where I think Kane, for the first time in his career, didn't have a touch in in the opposition box or something like that. That's when he down tools, fussy. That's why. That as well. Um, yeah. <laughs> it, it was it was an embarrassing performance by by everyone from manager to 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 the ball boys or what you know whatever. Um, obviously, well, it was away, wasn't it? So it was at Sellers Park, which is always you know not a nice place to go. Um, Quite a few bigger clubs have, have slipped up over there over the years, but it was embarrassing. Um, Tanganga got Tanganga got a red card um, and a bit of fisticuffs with Zaha. Um, we know what Palace are going to be like. They're youthful, they're energetic, they like to. They got a little bit of flair in there, um, but they're also quite well organised and they have been since Hodgson um, was there in charge. Vieira's kind of brought that on. But what happens? On, on Sunday for you guys. What do you see? Are you confident that we're going to get this win? Do you think we have nothing to worry about? Should we be um, a bit nervous about the fact we're going to, after two weeks off, we're going to our third game in eight days or so um, with another game quite quickly after, away at Southampton. Um, Tops, are you confident looking ahead to Palace? I am. I am confident, you know. Um I say this for a number of reasons. Um, I feel like the team's in a good moment. I feel like um, you can kind of tell that confidence is kind of brewing throughout the players. Uh, players are playing well. The team is, you know, is winning. Um, I also feel like, you know, I really do feel like the fans are really behind the players at the moment. Um, I don't feel that Palace are actually in a, in a great moment at, at, at this point. I think they've won one in six. Um, and they've not really performed as, as well as they could have. Um, I think their win. I'm not sure who. I can't remember who it came. It came against. Um, but the last two games they've lost. Oh, excuse me. They've drawn. They've drawn. And also, we tend to play well and beat them quite convincingly at home as well. Um, we've given them um, a couple of handicaps in the last two games um, at the new stadium. So I kind of feel that you know this is a good. This is a good moment for us. Um, we rested lots of players and then played a few few of the first teamers um, last night, but um, I envisage that if we start with the, the team that probably, the team that started against Liverpool, um, it should be enough to get us the result just after Christmas um, before we head off down south to St Mary's. Cool. Uh, so, top draw, very confident. Sai, what do you reckon? Is it a 3-5-2, 3-4-3? What do you go with? And are you confident of us getting a positive result? I think it'll be a 3-4-3 with potentially Winks coming in to play next to Skip. Um, I don't think Berwine has done enough to justify a start, but he'll definitely get a cameo. Um, Son, Son has to play well. Son has yeah. to play well. He, he, he knows this one. He's been poor. Yeah, the chance, he missed, the chance he missed against West Ham was, uh, was a really poor one. Uh, basically by virtue of a terrible first touch. And he also had a one-on-one against Liverpool that he fumbled as well. So um, we need we need a performance from him as well. I think ultimately 
we got to be realistic. We need to fist up Crystal Palace on Boxing Day. Like, Absolutely. Boxing Day fist, fist them up. Fist them up, like, man. Proper, proper fisticuffs. Bow, bow. One twos, all of that. <laughs> I think I think it's like the, the anniversary of when uh, Mayweather knocked out Ortiz. We need to do one of them ones, just sucker punch, bow bow, knock them out. <laughs> but yeah, um, we need we need a result. We need a result. Um, we need a win from this game because the momentum that we're building with the games in hand, which are likely to be played in February or March now, given the uh, Carabao Cup games. Um, yeah, man, we, we could really, really accumulate a lot of points over this period. And I expect us to go into that Southampton game with the bit between our teeths, uh, our teeth to say, all right, cool, we've been playing well. Let's just do these guys. And then we got a little bit, we got a little bit of respite after then, really. So, mm. yeah, man, we need a result. Jack, you, you, you've you been quite level-headed uh, for most of this pod. Um, are you excited about the next couple of games? Do you think we're getting six points out of the next two? Are these a given? Should we should we not be worried? Or so who are we playing off the Palace? Yeah, Palace got... at home. Watford yeah. away. Watford away. Oh, we have to fist them both up. That's like, New Year's Day. New Year's Day. We've, we've got. We've got. We have to. Um, as far as Palace goes, South London's a shithole. So treat you like a shithole and spit on it all the time. <laughs> and um, wow. Watford, well, Watford ain't even London. So we need to we need to treat these places like what they are, basically trash. So um, <laughs> Palace, Palace like to keep the ball a lot more. This Palace side, Vieira's side, do like to play a bit of ball. And I think I'd hope that will play more into our hands, to be honest, as opposed to a more direct route of football, um, especially with the quality they they don't tend to have, you know, the quality that of players they have, you'd think, you know, we'd be, we'd be able to contain them a bit more. The only problem is that left-hand side, if Zaha's on his day, um, if Zaha has one of those days where he's on it, you know, Emerson Royale, Davison Sanchez on that right-hand side, gabs, <laughs> they'll be the ones getting ripped. They'll be the ones getting fisted up. But um, but otherwise, um, we have we have to get these six points. Um, the only reason why I'd be confident is Conte. Um, we've got a manager that can actually do it. <laughs> you know, we've got someone that can that tailors his tactics to each game, whilst keeping whilst maintaining you know a general style of play that he uh, and a general approach that he likes to keep. So we've got someone that is in charge of these games that can win games we should be winning so that would be the reason why I'm confident mm. I think it's and we're going to do score predictions in a moment um, I think it's, it's first team to two get two goals in, in, in these kind of games um, I think we're, we're that solid um, where well we appear to be that solid and we're not conceding many um, goals I think we've only conceded maybe five or six goals um, under Conte, um, and they've been sporadic at best. You know, we had a few clean sheets, um, but I think we should be looking to get when we get to two goals. I don't see um, a team like Palace or Southampton or Watford being able to break us down enough when chasing the game because I think we're also very dangerous on the counter attack, as we saw against um, against Liverpool, and as we well, Son had that chance against West Ham where he should have put it away. Um, we know on, on his on his day he does 
and he takes a far better touch. You put Kane in that position, probably, you know, a goal shot on target, that kind of thing. Um, and that's, I think, the positive thing about our recent performances. We're now getting shots on target, guys, in the games. It's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> you know, who would have thought it? You know, you win football games, you're getting shots on target. Um, shots on target, our shots are going up, you know, we're averaging double digit, which, you know, sounds like I'm, I'm kind of celebrating mild and, and low end stats but we under Nuno we weren't even averaging double digit stat um shots per game. Not on target, just total shots. <laughs> like we were that bad. Okay. So let, let let's take a moment just to appreciate the fact we're getting more than ten shots on on um in per game. So I think personally, you know, first to team to two, I think we'll get to two nil um and then probably put them away on the counter attack. Three nil um Spurs win against Palace. Um, tops, what do you reckon? What's your score prediction for the Palace game? Um, Palace, I'm going two one. Uh, they do tend to they do they do tend to create chances. Um, it's very difficult to, to shut them out. I think they've only not scored in one of the last seven games. So I'm going to go two one. Two one. Cool. 2-1 win for us. Uh, Sire, what do you reckon? I've got 3-1 for Spurs. Um, I think it will be a quite similar game to how yesterday played out. Uh, but I think once we get once we get them sort of coming out a little bit more, uh, chasing the game, we'll catch them on the counter. Finish our dinner for once. Christmas dinner. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jack, what do you reckon? Is this, is this easy picking for us? Um, it should be, but I th- I'd say I agree with Tops. Um, a two-one. I think I think a player like Benteke in the air. Um, I think they'll definitely play into that. Even though Palace do like to play on the floor um, under Vieira, I think um, they'll try and definitely get us um, aerially, and I think they could get a goal from that. But again, we've got the better players. We've got the better manager, much better manager, and we've got we've got the system, and we're in good form as well. So. You know, we should do enough to win that game. And I don't think we. I think we'll exert. You know, we'll try. We won't try and exert too much energy on this game. I think we'll try and, you know, with the fixture piled up, we'll try and just get the win. Just get it, pretty much. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. You know, who he picks and and how it kind of sets up. We've got. Uh, you know, we've got a game two days later, so we play Sunday, Tuesday, and then Saturday. Um, that, that's a lot of rotation. And as we know, our forward line, um, as much as Bergwijn played very well yesterday, <clears throat> you know, he's not proven over three, four games to be able to come in and, and do a job. Um, Kane still only has two goals in the league, despite the fact, you know, he played decent enough against Liverpool. Um, but then he was back to being poor yesterday. Um, so there are, there may be reason to, to be concerned in terms of just a fixture pile up, you know, schedule loss, as they say in basketball, where just because there's so many games and so many quick succession, that's why we might lose, not necessarily because we're we're a bad team. Um, but again, I think we all agree we should be confident. We should be confident. And if we are going to do anything this season, these are the games we need to pick up the points. You know, <clears throat> these are the games we've done well to get the Liverpool draw. Um, put not, not We haven't put the league on notice, but we've made people notice. OK, right, there's a progression here. Conte's West Ham on notice. They were talking all that top four shit. Get out Listen, here. West Ham talking top four. Bubble burst real quick. Now, now, it, what, what made me laugh yesterday, just a quick note on the game, is when they started singing Tottenham get battered everywhere they go at nil-nil. 
I was like, you probably had a shot. And then all of a sudden, bang, Bergwijn. <laughs> you know? And I was just like... I just yeah, didn't know you could make uh, bubbles out of meth. Because they're not, they're not a fucking high, mate. What is in the tap water in their caravans? Like, are they? I don't even have a clue, wow. man. Wow, wow. Uh, we know Jack doesn't like any part of London apart from his own. Um, he doesn't anyway. even live in London. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah not anymore. So he moves the fuck out of here. <laughs> That's exactly it. <laughs> That's it, mate. That's it, brother. Right, guys. We covered we covered everything that we need to cover. Um, we're gonna call it there. Um, like I said, guys, make sure you follow us on all the social media sites. Um, click on obviously link like this video, share it with your cousin, share it with your uncle, um, spread the Christmas cheer. Um, everyone's in good spirits. Um, I think this podcast will be out on, on Christmas Day. So if you are with your family or even if you're by yourself, we do wish you a very Merry Christmas. Um, and hopefully by the time we get to the Happy New Year, Spurs will have nine from nine points. So, Cy, Tops, Jack, it's been lovely. Um, I'm signing out from South Croydon, even though Jack hates me. Um, peace, love. <laughs> On debut, Tungay Ondombele has scored the equaliser for Spurs. Lucas Moura clips it. Oh, great goal! Stephen Bergwijn has arrived in North London! That is absolutely incredible on debut! Oh, yay! Sports Social Podcast Network.